0: Amen. Thank you guys children's church. You are dismissed pre-k through second grade. get them babies a hand as they go. Come on All right you know, I believe in the providence of God and I know God is in heaven and he hears us and I don't think it's a coincidence that mr Scott Diffie started out with a bald joke Then the battery and his little guitar went dead. I don't think I don't think that's a coincidence So Scott, you come on over here and sit down. I got some stuff to say to you, brother. (laughs) Bald. Elisha was bald. You saw what happened to those boys that made fun of him. Bears. All right. Take your Bible and turn with me. Look, we're going to be in two places this morning. Revelation chapter 1 and Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 1 and Revelation chapter 4. Now, uh, I'm sure most of you have, uh, like, on my, my iPhone uh, those uh, panoramic pictures. You ever took a pano a picture, and it looks really cool, especially out in nature. Uh, but look at this next slide. This is uh, one I took that during our. If you can see, I don't know how well you can see that, but that was during our vacation uh, Bible school family night, right? And we I just took that pano shot from the sound booth, and uh, and the panoramic pictures are pretty cool in the right context and so today i want to take a little panoramic view uh, of the book of revelation right i want to see a panoramic picture of prophecy and end times and again we're talking about the book of revelation and here's what i love about the book of revelation one of my favorite things about the book of revelation is this look at this next slide we win amen i like winning how about you right? Listen, uh, we win because of what Jesus did for us. And so as we look at the book of Revelation, these things, God didn't give this to you necessarily to scare you. And I'm not preaching this to inform you. I'm hoping that Christ will take his word and conform us to his image. Amen. So, but what can happen is when you look at the book of Revelation, you can get so caught up in the details of what some horn, some horn on a beast in the 12th chapter, what that means and the, and the what's and the, and the where's that we forget the why. The why, right? Uh, the book of Revelation affects my life today. It is applicable for your life today, where you live. This is not something just for the future. God gave his word to live today. So the book of Revelation, look at this next slide. Basically what it means is the reveal, Uh, the unveiling. That's what Revelation is. Imagine a statue that's being unveiled, right? It's the big reveal. We like big reveals. And who's being revealed here? Jesus. Jesus is doing the revealing and Jesus is being revealed in the book of Revelation. Who here watched the HG Network? I mean, somebody does. Alicia Kelly right? One of the things they like to do is what? The big reveal, right? They'll go in and do a makeover or they'll, they'll fix some stuff and they'll do some things and the people don't get to see it till it's done and they bring them in and they're like, what? Wow, right? I always think about the people. What if they didn't like it? But you still feel that pressure. You're like, wow, as soon as you see camera crews leave, we're changing everything. It's wonderful. Listen, uh, Jesus does the reveal here and it's a big, big wow. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we talked about them last week, but they give us uh, four different perspectives on who Christ is, different eyewitness accounts, but the book of Revelation takes it even further. And so what I want to do is a panoramic view of the book of Revelation and Christ in the book and i want to see just how practical every day this book is because the bible says and i love this one of my favorite things about the book of revelation the bible says that if you read this book if you hear this book god will bless you not if you read it and understand it not if you read it and you have all the answers about everything in the book god's word says that hey if you belong to him you read this book he is going to bless you does anybody need to be blessed this morning Listen, okay, so as we get started, uh, um, we're we're, going to talk about moving into the end times and all of that. But the Bible is pretty clear. And we'll talk about this some more about the rapture. You've heard of the rapture. That's where believers in Christ, before the really the, the tribulation time officially kicks in, believers in Christ are going to be called up to heaven to be with the Lord okay, before, before that starts. So it's going to be boom, boom. And in the first service, I said, I hope the Lord raptures me while I'm preaching. And Andrew Skaggs, that old skinny bass player over here, Andrew Sk- Skaggs said, amen. <laughs> he was like... Can can you rapture me some Mexican while you're up there? Come on. I didn't appreciate that. I hate him. But we see the end times, if you will, approaching. And the scripture, the Bible gives us some hints and some clues that these times are approaching. Look at this next slide. The first one is natural disasters, right? Think tsunamis and earthquakes and tornadoes. Flooding. Flooding. Right? And as these things are increasing and getting worse, God says that that's a sign that uh, we're getting closer to the time of Christ's return. Look at this next slide. Another one is uh, one world government, one world religion. There's this one world figure, the Antichrist. He's going to be a handsome devil, and uh, like literally, he's going to be a handsome devil, very charismatic, and the world's going to be crying out for peace, peace, no matter what, we got to have peace. And he's going to usher in a time, hey, If you do what I want, we're going to have peace in the world, and it's going to be a time of one world government and one world religion. Even in the United States today, there are those people, uh, there are Americans in the United States that think that having borders is immoral, and so you see, obviously, as the days are approaching. Look at this next slide. Another one is Christians being killed. I I heard a guy one time, he told me, he said, man, I am glad that I'm not going to, you know, when, when, when that time comes to take the mark of the beast and you're going to have to choose between Jesus and taking the mark of the beast. And if you choose Jesus, they're going to kill you. He's a man. Uh, That's going to be a rough time. But listen, guys, Christians are being killed today in 2019. The last decade for Christians has been the deadliest uh, decade in the history of the world. More Christians have died simply because they were Christians in the last 10 years than ever have since the day of Pentecost. Christians are being killed. They're being murdered. They're being massacred. And it doesn't matter if CNN or Fox News doesn't report it. It's still happening. Christians are being killed. And as you see more of this you know the end times are coming. Uh, next one, look at this. Increase in sin, right? Uh, we, we could see that all over the place, right? A sign of the times. Wrong has become right. Right, is, right has become wrong. Uh, the United States spends more money, dollar for dollar, dollar for dollar. The United States spends more money than any nation in the world on education, but yet we still have mayhem and immorality and murder and and terrible things happening why it's a sign of the end times. now look at this next slide also the ability to take now not the mark of the beast okay if there's the mark of the beast you're late okay the mark of not the but the ability to do the mark of the beast um you remember those uh, your dogs many of your dogs or your pets have those microchips in them don't they those little microchips, how convenient is that? You lose your dog, turns up, they can scan it, oh, we know who this dog belongs to, right? And if you follow any of the Chester County bulletin pages, people always losing their dogs, amen? And finding dogs. All right, but listen. Uh, and there's companies that have their employees putting those microchips in because it's convenient. They clock in, they clock out. It, contains, it, contains, it tracks their movement, all their medical information if there's an emergency. right? Credit card companies would love to put that little chip that you stick in the, the slide. They'd love to put that under your skin so you could just charge wherever you go and any time. This is the future. I'm not saying microchips are the mark of the beast, so hear me right. I'm not saying it, Okay. If it meant that I didn't have to carry a wallet, I'd stick anything on me, just, yeah, do it, it'd be great, right? But, but, I mean, they're already tracking me on my phone, they know where I am. But listen, I'm not saying that a microchip technology is the mark of the beast. What I'm saying is, you see the capability, don't you? For every person to be tracked and to followed and to buy, sell, purchase goods and all those things that the Bible tells us. The capability for the mark of the beast is there. It's a sign of the end times. Look at this next slide. Also, an increase in knowledge. Uh, Me and Alicia talk about it all the time. Every once in a while you'll have a conversation and you're like, wait a minute, who was the guy that did the, or what happened when they, or how much is the, or even if you're trying to spell a word, how do I spell? You Google it. Knowledge has increased so much, but I would say that wisdom hasn't increased with it. It's incredible to be alive at this time, at this moment, with so much technology and information and data at our hands, but it doesn't seem to matter. What we need today is not more information. We need transformation, heart change. So, again, what's the book of Revelation all about? I hope you've got your notes and follow along with me this morning. Number one, it's all about Jesus, man, the incredible person of Jesus. The Bible has one hero, Jesus, one villain, the devil. One theme, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Amen? The apostle John wrote the book of Revelation. He's one of 12 disciples. Not only was he a disciple, he's one of the inner crew, right? He's one of the the extra close disciples to Jesus, and he was exiled to Patmos. The reason why he was on Patmos is because he was preaching the gospel. The Romans didn't like him preaching the gospel, so they exiled him to to Patmos so that he couldn't cause any more problems with that gospel. But I will tell you, in my opinion, John did way more work for the kingdom while he was exiled because he gave us this book of Revelation than he probably did preaching on street corners in his day. And this book right here was given to seven churches. And it's interesting if you look at it, uh, the seven churches, it was distributed in a clockwise manner. And it was given, this letter was given to churches and it was preached to them as sermons. Right. This was literally sermons that were read to the early churches, and after those seven churches, they began to be distributed uh, to the Christians throughout the known world at that time, and so it's amazing. But I think about John there on the Isle of Patmos, right there in exile. The Romans thought, well, we've gotten rid of him. He's not going to cause us any more problems. And then he writes the book of Revelation. What about you? You may think that where you're at in your life, maybe that job, you feel like I have no impact, no influence. Maybe you're a student in school. What am I doing here? I'm wasting my time. Maybe you just feel like somehow your impact isn't what it could be. Be faithful like John. John was faithful and God used him in a big, big way. You wait, God will use you too if you're faithful. You just might be exactly where God has called you to be right now. So John here is writing about this incredible person of Jesus Christ. Look with me, Revelation chapter 1 and verse number 1. It says the revelation of Jesus Christ. Revelation of who? Say it. Jesus Christ. That's right. Now listen, if you're in my Bible, i got a good one. Mine says the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, you might have one that says the revelation of John, or does anybody raise your might I mean, I ain't going to make fun of you. Some different translations do that. If you write in your Bible, I'd cross that out. The very first, the, the, the heading isn't inspired. The letter is inspired. And the very first thing it says is a revelation of Jesus Christ. It's not a revelation of John. It's a revelation of Christ. And it says this, which God gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place. In other words he's saying once these things we talked about once they start happening it's going to be like dominoes falling it's going to happen quick look at this next one revelation 1 verse 1 it says and he sent and signified it by his angel uh, to his servant john who bore witness to the word of god the word of god the bible uh, god breathed god inspired and the testimony of jesus christ to all things that he saw in other words God used all these personalities we talked about the last two weeks all these different authors all these different personalities to bring one word of God together that simply says Jesus saves now if, if you think about it just a moment ago when I talked about the increase in sin it doesn't take a rocket scientist to go you know things really there is evil in the world correct We're evil in the world, and I believe in a literal devil because the Bible does and because Jesus does It always surprises me to find believers that don't believe in a literal devil when he's all over the Bible And Jesus talked about this uh, This person the devil now he's not omnipresent. He's not omniscient. The devil. simply isn't a bad version of God He's no god at all, but he is the devil as described in scripture Right. Let me tell you something about the devil. He hates the Bible He hates the Bible, so if he can keep you out of it, mission accomplished. Not only that, I think he hates, this is my opinion, but I think he hates Genesis and Revelation more than any other books, any other two books of the Bible, Genesis and Revelation, right? These these are the books that absolutely have to stick in his crawl. In the book of Genesis, the devil is announced. In the book of Revelation, the devil is trounced. In the book of Genesis, we have the first heaven and the first earth, In the book of Revelation, we have a new heaven and a new earth. In the book of Genesis, you have uh, the first Adam reigning on earth. And in the book of Revelation, you have the second Adam, Jesus, reigning forever. In Genesis, you have the bride, Eve, being brought to the first Adam. In Revelation, you have the bride, the church, being brought to the second Adam, the last Adam, Jesus. In Genesis, you have the curse, right? You have sin and the curse. In Revelation, the devil leaves in a hearse. In Genesis, you have man being driven from God's face because of their sin. But in Revelation, we will see God's face because Jesus is going to win. The devil hates the book of Revelation, and he hates the book of Genesis. It's all about Jesus, all of it, and his victory for us. It's about the incredible person of Jesus Christ. Now, number two, write this down. It's also Jesus. It's still Jesus, the unrivaled ruler. Jesus rules and reigns supreme. And again, we're going to continue this panoramic view of who Christ is. The angel comes to John in this vision by the Holy Spirit. He sees the future, and John's going to get an invitation to go somewhere. Look at this. Look again at verse number one. I mean, Revelation chapter four. Go to verse four. I mean, chapter four and verse number one. He says, After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you things which must take place after this. Verse 2 Immediately I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And he who sat there was like a jasper and a sardius stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne, in appearance like an emerald. That's amazing. Listen. Just briefly as a, a word here, there's basically three levels of heaven, or three kinds of heaven that you learn about in scripture. The first one is when you look up at the sky, right? The clouds, the stars, the sky, that's the heavens, right? You've heard it, you know, uh, called that before, the heavens. The second level is where the angels and the demons throw down and have their fights. Uh, scripture's clear that forces and wars and principalities, uh, that things are happening in this second realm that we can't see with the naked eye. That there's warfare going on the third level though that's where god resides and G- jesus is like john come on up here he's calling john to the third heaven he says, i want to show you some things now why could john go there look at this next line john had access because of jesus john could enter the throne room he could go to the third heaven because of jesus because of what jesus did and as a believer whenever i pray where do i go to the throne room Right? I have almighty God. I am in his presence. Now, this isn't a great example, but it kind of reminds me of this. When we were in East Tennessee, we had a family that we cared a lot about, that we really uh, were close friends of ours, and they were big time in the University of Tennessee. You know what I mean? Godly people. Saints. A big, they were involved in Tennessee athletics, and they had season tickets to everything, but not just regular old season tickets, okay? The first time they said, hey, y'all want to go to the ball game this weekend? I said, well, sure. Right? And they gave us their tickets, they gave us the parking pass, and we had these lanyards. Right? And I'm like, man, this is. We parked right next to General Nealon. I'm not even kidding. Right there by the stadium. It was good coming in, but it was bad going out. You know what I'm saying? And so we parked right there, just walked across the street. Right, right into the stadium. It was amazing. And then we met him at the seats. And when we got there, wonderful seats, about 19 rows up, 45 yard line, the little box section of box seating there. Nice. And then he says, Hey, you want to go to the, I forget what it was called, but some kind of VIP area. I'm like, well, sure. And so we head out, we go to an elevator. I didn't know that place had an elevator. And we go up to it and there's some security lady there, a little black lady. I think she could have took me. And she looks and she looks at that lanyard. Oh, you got to come on in. And you go on the elevator, and then it went, I don't know, to the Bat Cave or somewhere, and we go down. And then what happened was you walk out, and you're in this amazing, people are eating, and there's former Tennessee football players and all kinds of bigwigs. And I showed them, I was like, man, I don't belong here. But but I knew somebody. And then he says, hey, you want to go out on the field? I'm like, well, no, yes, I want to go out on the field. And so here we go. They're out there warming up. We're out there on the field. Right, it was just amazing. And then we go back to the seats and we have a good time. And matter of fact, that same guy, that, again, uh, University of Tennessee baseball. They had those seats right beside the dugout, nice leather, comfortable seats right beside the dugout. But it also came with a, a wristband. So you had the tickets for the seats, but also uh, the wristband. And if you went into the, into the uh, middle of that stadium, you'd go down this little ramp. And again, there's another little lady there, a little security guard, I think she could have took me. And, but if you have that little, the right wristband, you can get in. Why? Because I knew somebody. And when you get in, they had all this food, all this drinks, and it's all free. Well, somebody paid for it, but I didn't. And and they got the ball game on all the little flat screen TVs and the air conditioners pumping. I'm telling you, I watched half the games down there. Okay, it was just wonderful. But I didn't do that. And that wasn't me. But that's, I was only there because I knew somebody. right? Somebody else paid for those tickets. I didn't pay for those tickets. Let me ask you a question. As a believer, I wonder how many times in my life I bought the cheap seats in kneeling. I'm sitting under the jumbotron. I got to turn around and look like that all the way up at the top. See those nice seats. See those box seats. I say, boy, it must be nice. It must be nice. As a Christian, And what many of us as believers are, we're sitting, as a Christian, we're sitting in the cheap seats. Meanwhile, we know somebody that's given us access to the throne room of God. He's given me the lanyard and the bracelet. I don't get there because I've earned it. I don't get there because I've paid for it. I don't get there because I deserve it. Matter of fact, I just kinda don't fit in. I am there because I know somebody and his name is Jesus Christ. He's paid for my ticket, he's granted me access and he's given me all the privileges. He says you can come and eat, we can fellowship. Watch the game on the big screen. He is my Lord and my savior and he grants me access to places I never could have went on my own standing. Why is that? Look at this next line. I'm not that good. Good isn't good enough, but God is God enough. Jesus won the victory. That's what Revelation teaches us. So are you going to talk to God in prayer? Are you going to have fellowship with God? Are you going to worship him? He's giving you this access that you can never get on your own or deserve, but he's giving it to you. Now, number three, write this down. Also, again, it's about Jesus, the majesty, the indescribable majesty of Jesus. Look at verse number five, Revelation chapter four and verse number five. It says, and from the throne proceeded lightnings, thunderings, and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Uh, right there, if you want to, if you just, uh, if you write in your Bible, in the margin, just put Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Seven spirits of God. That's the Holy Spirit. Verse six, before the throne, there was a sea of glass like crystal. Again, this is representing the holiness, the purity, the awesomeness of God, right? Now look at verse number six. It says, and in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures. Let me tell you something. This is the part that gets weird, right? If you never read the book of Revelation and said, that's weird, you're just, you're, either you're weird or you're just not reading okay? This is this, If you have pets, this is we again, this is John trying to tell us what he's seeing. Does that make sense? This is John saying, like the, it's kind of like this, but he doesn't know exactly what he's saying. Look at it in verse 6. He says, full of eyes in front and back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second living creature like a calf. Some translations say ox. The third living creature had a face like a man. And the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within. Who's got a pet? You got a dog, a cat at home? All right. Dog people, raise your hand. Dog people, raise your hand. All right. Why didn't y'all raise your hand the first time? They all went up. Yeah. I got Okay. Who has cats? Raise your hand. All right. All the devil worshipers. Amen. Listen. (laughs) Could you not kidding? Don't email me. Okay, Brother Marcus. Cats are God's creation. No. Listen. Listen. There he is, not mine. All right, listen. What if your pet had eyeballs all over it? Would you pet it? If I had one, I'd take it to your house, cat lover. You just leave it. Here, eyeballs, all you can handle. It's gross. I'm just saying, I'm just, that has no theological significance. Other than, I'm just saying it's gross. Look at, okay, look at, go down to verse eight. And what do they do? They do not rest day or night saying, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. We're talking about all of this, even the eyeballs on the animals and the bees. We're talking about the attributes of God. Right? That he's all seeing. He's all knowing, right? He's always present. He is everywhere. He's 24 7, right? God doesn't take a vacation or days off. When we tell God something in prayer, he's not surprised, right? When we bring something to God, he already knows what's on our heart. He knows what's going on. This passage is telling us how awesome and how amazing God is. We're simply, again, seeing the fact that God is all seeing, he's all knowing, he's all powerful. Now, what do these four beasts represent? Now, you'll find like, th- symbolism in the book of Revelation can actually mean multifaceted things. But what they represent, some people believe it represents creation. You can see that, the man, uh, the calf, the lion. you can kind of see creation. Uh, some people teach that it, it's the four gospels, right? The four beasts represent Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Some people believe that, right? But this morning, the part that I want to point to is how these beasts point to the attributes of Jesus and how marvelous and majestic that he is. Write this first one down. The lion, that represents power, power. Lions have power, don't they? Have you ever met one? You know. Powerful, powerful. Listen, it's because God's power, again, the throne room, the VIP, right? Free food, free drink, the best seats, air conditioning. You have access to everything that God has for you, including his power. Don't sit in the cheap seats. Now, B, write this down. The calf, some translations, uh, the ox, but it refers to faithfulness, faithfulness, right? Johnny on the spot, strong, dependable. You know, some people, they have a hard time going to church. They're not dependable. Be dependable, right? Some people will say, well, I just don't feel like going, or... I just, I'm just not able to go. I just can't, you know, juggle all these things. The biggest thing you do is just show up. I heard a guy talking about working out and fitness and getting in shape. And uh, he, one of the things that he taught is, even if you don't feel like going to the gym, you know, you, I don't want to work out today. I'm too tired. I don't feel like going. He said, just go anyway. And if you get there and you decide you don't want to work out, go home. But he says, when you get there, you're probably going to feel like working out. Same thing's true at church. I don't feel like worshiping today and listening to that bald-headed preacher, and I just, I just, I don't, I don't feel, listen, when you come, right, you lead your feelings, and then your feelings will catch up when you get here. Be faithful. Now, see, and the man, this, this means, uh, this represents God's wisdom, wisdom. Now, some of you wives are looking at your husband like, you don't look wise, right? Maybe we need wisdom in our lives, right? Again, when we go to the VIP area, when we have access, when we go to the throne room of God, God will give us wisdom for our lives, for our careers, for our families, for our dating relationships, for our our, our dealing with young people, teenagers, whatever it is, you need wisdom and I need wisdom and it's available in that VIP area. God has given us total access. Jesus has done it. Now, the next one, you already see this in your notes, but it's the sovereignty of God, the eagles. Uh, Back a couple months ago, me and Alicia went with the seniors from Grace to Real Foot on the eagle tour, where you can see the bald eagles. Eagles are awesome. Can I get an amen? Now, you better keep your cat in the house. That eagle will snatch that cat. Eagles are cool. And so, matter we've got an eagle here that stays close to the church, a bald eagle here. Sometimes you'll see it in the trees across the street. Uh, from the church over there, and it kind of—it's it's always in this area. Bald eagles are awesome, and I asked that park ranger, and I said, like, "Who? What's a threat to a bald eagle?" Right? And like, who? Who does a bald eagle have to worry about? And that guy said, "Nobody. Man." That's what he said. Man, a full-grown bald eagle. About the only thing that's going to be a threat to a, full bald, th- a full-grown bald eagle is a man. And so, this is a picture of the sovereignty and the power of God. Right, That when I bring my petitions to God, I have this perspective that he is in control and nobody and nothing is a threat to him on his throne. Now, when we look at the book of Revelation, what else do we see? Number four, write this down. We see the promise, the blessed hope. Now, when we say hope, we don't mean like hope, like maybe, hope so. In, in, in Bible language, this hope is sure and steadfast. It's a guarantee. There's so many promises of God in his word. When God gives us a promise, he's going to make good on it. Again, look in your, Bible, in your notes, Revelation 1, verse 3. Revelation 1, verse 3. It says, Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it for the time is near he's promising the time is near now i don't know if you've noticed this children's books children's books have the best theology most of them have the best theology and the eschatology eschatology is the study of end times right and so uh, when it comes to end times and theology uh, children's books just knock it out of the park because almost every one of them look at this next line almost every one of them end with and they lived happily ever after. Matter of fact, say that with me on the count of three. One, two, three. And they live happily ever after. Listen, if you know Christ, that's how your story is going to end. It's the best ending, the only ending that you want. Don't you hate it when you're reading a book or watching some stupid movie and then like you're into it and then it just ends? You're like, what happened? Right? What happened? It's like they ran out of money and just quit. Or in the book, they just ran out of paper. Right? You think, I could do better than that. Listen, God's story uh, for you, if you're a believer, ends just like this. And they lived happily ever after. We're all moving. Listen, guys, this is just a panoramic view uh, of Revelation. But listen, we're all moving toward the end times. It's either one of two things. It's soon going to be the end of your time. okay, Or it's going to be the end of all time. One of those two things are rapidly approaching and coming upon us. The invitation is yours. You don't have to sit, if you're a believer, you know that you're saved, you don't have to sit in the cheap seats, sweating, nacho cheese dripping off your face. Listen, you don't have to sit in the cheap seats looking at the VIP area going, it must be nice. Because of Jesus, he's given you all things. You have access to God. You can bring your prayers, your petitions, You can have his wisdom. You can have his power in your life. He will save you. He will redeem you. He'll forgive you. And the the thing is, he's the only one that can. It's only Christ. Look at this again. Revelation chapter 4, verse 8. Look at it. It says, And they, they do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is, and is to come. Listen, that's a breakdown. You want to study the book of Revelation? That's an outline of the entire book of Revelation, who was and is and is to come. Chapter 1, who was. Chapter 2 and 3, who is, right? Chapter 4, all the way to the end of the book, and who is to come. That's the book of Revelation uh, just summarized for you. God wants you to know him. He wants you to allow him to save you and to redeem you. He wants you to spend eternity with him. But you got free choice. When that guy said, you want some tickets to the ball game? I could have said no. But it was a gift. When he gave me those parking passes, I could have turned them down. I would have been stupid to turn those down. When he took me into the VIP area where I did not belong, it would have been dumb to turn that invitation down. Free food, free drink. He asked me if I wanted to go out on the field, no, maybe some other time. And just like that, Christ's invitation for you, is way more amazing than some stupid ball game at some stupid stadium. Just like he said, John, come up. He called John up to heaven with him, John, come up. He's saying your name, Marcus, come up. Maybe you're a child of God. You know that you're saved, but you haven't been going up. You're sitting in the cheap seats of Christianity, and he's offered you everything that you need for life and for holiness, righteousness. Maybe you've never given your heart to Christ, and right now he's saying your name. Hey, come on up. He died to save you, and he died for you because he loves you. And he wants to have fellowship a relationship with you. But it only happens when you say, yes, yes. Let's pray with Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your invitation. Lord, I just pray that your people will answer your call. Listen, every head bowed, every eye closed. You're here this morning, and, and, and you know that you're saved. You know that you're a Christian. You know that you've got access to the very throne room of God. But in your heart, maybe you know, I've been sitting in the cheap seats. I've been settling for the things of the world. I've been in the cheap seats. I haven't been accessing the throne room of God. And maybe that's your prayer this morning. Maybe that's your prayer. You want to say this. You want to say, Lord, I want to spend more time in the throne room. Lord, I want to spend more time in the VIP area with you. Fellowshiping with you. Bringing my petitions to you. Worshiping you. Is that your prayer this morning? Slip your hand up. I want to pray for all of us all over the sanctuary. Let's pray. Father God, thank you again for your word. Thank you for the blessing of knowing you and just the privilege of making you known. But Lord, sometimes we sit in the cheap seats. Lord, we don't take advantage of everything that you died to give us, that you purchased with your blood. And Lord, as your children, we don't want to take for granted anything that you've given us. So Lord, help us to be people. People that are marked by spending time with you. Lord, we need your wisdom. We need your power. So Lord, empower us, help us to spend more time with you, more more time in your presence, seeking your face, seeking your will, knowing that that's absolutely the best place that we could be, in your will. Listen, guys, as we keep praying, every head bowed, every eye closed, please, no looking around for just a moment. There's some of you here this morning, you know that you need Jesus. You've never said yes. And that scripture says, who was and is and is to come and if you were to die today without christ that christ who is to come someday he is going to judge you and he's going to judge you righteously because you know that you're a sinner and god has been speaking to your heart but maybe you've put them off and put them off and put them off and right now you know that you're a sinner that you need to be saved man you need to give your heart to christ the god that's revealed in the book of revelation So right now, again, I won't embarrass you. I just want to pray with you. I will not call you out. I will not single you out in any way. I promise. But I just want you to do business with God. So right now in your seat, if it's your desire, you want to pray to receive Christ right now. Would you slip your hand up for just a second so I can pray with you? God bless you. I see you. God bless you. I see you. God bless you. Who else? Is God calling? He's saying, come up. Those of you who raised your hand Maybe you didn't raise your hand just now But you know that you need Jesus Why don't you pray a prayer like this It's not the words That you're doing business with God Maybe you just need to say Father God I'm a sinner Acknowledge your sin to God I'm a sinner I sin Lord I do dirt And I do it on purpose But Lord I turn from my sin I repent And I'm turning to Jesus Save me Jesus Tell him I'm putting my faith In your death, burial and resurrection For my salvation Tell him Just tell him man Save me, Jesus. God's word is clear. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You put your faith in him and not in you, he will save you. I want to encourage you to make that decision public. Maybe you've prayed a prayer like that at a previous service, and you need to follow through and be baptized. You know that's the first step of obedience. When we trust Christ, he wants us to follow through and make it public by baptism. You come this morning, we'll schedule that and rejoice with you. Maybe your baptism's on the wrong side of your salvation. You know you got saved after your baptism. You want to get those things in order, and we'll help you do that. Maybe this morning God is calling you to be a part of the Grace Baptist family. This is your church home. You know it. God has confirmed it. Why don't you come this morning, be a part of the team, put the jersey on. Whatever God is calling you to do, maybe you just need to, during this invitation, maybe you need to enter to the throne room and ask God to forgive you of some sin in your life. Maybe it's the sin of not coming to the throne room. But whatever it is, during this invitation, do business with God. Father God, we surrender this invitation to you. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. We stand with him. Worthy is the who was holy